Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Creating a diversity of thinking skills. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to be a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Ron Price. Ron, great to see you today. It's good to be with you again, Dale. These have been um, a fun series of podcasts as we dive into this idea of being better thinkers as leaders. And we've talked about the importance of thinking more, number one, of thinking more deeply and challenging ourselves overall to become better thinkers. So today we're going to spend some time talking about the different types of thinking. Set us up for what we're going to learn. Yeah, well, first of all, Dale, I I agree with you. I've had a lot of fun having these conversations with you. And over the last, I think we're all thinkers, we're all thinking all the time, but over the last year and a half or so, I've decided to go deeper in my thinking. I've decided that thinking is more important than I recognized. And I think it's because it's the beginning of the journey for a leader. If we don't think clearly, and if we don't think deeply enough to make the right kinds of decisions and set the right kind of direction, this is the first big thing that limits our potential. And really, what are we here for if it's not to discover and to pursue our greatest potential? So um, within that context, we don't all think the same ways. We have different approaches to thinking. The last time, the last conversation we had, we talked about some of the different things you could consider doing, reading or journaling or walking without listening to books or listening to podcasts, but just taking your time thinking. These are all what I would call adventures in thinking. But today, what I'd like to talk a little bit about is that we all have different natural tendencies in how we think. And then we have the opportunity to develop different skills in how we think. So to start that off, Dale, I think when I say tendencies, I always attach that to the word talent. One of the wonderful definitions, I think, for talent, especially as it relates to a leader, is these natural tendencies in how we think, what motivates us, and how we behave that we can apply in a productive way. So we're not all the same. Some of us like to think big picture. Some of us would rather think about the details and the process. Some of us would like to think in a more scientific way where we think about advancing our understanding through experiments. This is what you learn as a scientist if you go to school and and focus on that as your area of study. Some of us would rather advance our thinking through debate, which is what philosophers do. So as you know, Evan Spia is a good friend of both of us, and I often um, say to him, Evans, you're the scientist, you like to advance things through experiments, I'm the philosopher, I like to advance things through debate. And we need both, those are two different styles of thinking, they're two different tendencies of thinking. And then uh, some of us are just naturally more oriented around tasks. Our focus is on what's the work that needs to be done. And others of us may be more focused on people. How are we interacting with each other? How are we relating with each other? And still more, maybe a lot more focused on a higher purpose or a reason. So these are all different tendencies that we now understand come partly from our genetics. Some of it we inherit in our DNA, and some of it comes from our life experiences. 
<clears throat> and how those life experiences shape us. And especially when we're young, we're much more impressionable or moldable the younger we are. So the, the kinds of life experiences that we have through the first three, five, seven, ten years have a profound impact on us. So much so that as we get older, we tend to go back to those and value those even more as a natural part of the aging process. Some of us tend to be more optimistic and others tend to be more pessimistic and we tend to judge the other side, whatever we're not. So if you're more optimistic, you tend to judge the person who's a little bit more skeptical as just not being a believer. And if you're more skeptical and pessimistic, you tend to judge the person who's more optimistic as being a dreamer or too unrealistic. But these are all natural tendencies that we're born with and that we develop throughout our lifetime. One more, or well, a couple more that I can think of, that these are all interesting things to explore when we think about diversity of thinking. One is the difference between being a linear thinker and a non-linear thinker. So a linear thinker wants to organize things. There's this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And a non-linear thinker doesn't like that. They just want to be sort of all over the place. Have, have you ever hung out with somebody who seemed like that's the way their brain worked? I'm, I'm not going to mention him, but I, we have a common friend that I'm thinking of right now that every time I get with him, I feel like I'm hanging out with a non-linear thinker. And I'm a linear thinker, so you know, there's a tendency for me to want him to be like me, and he probably would rather that I would be more like him. So that's another distinction. And then a, another way of thinking of this is the divergent thinker. The divergent thinker is more nonlinear, they're more open-minded, willing to go anywhere, versus the convergent thinker who's narrowing things down and wanting to keep things organized. So these are all examples of diversity in thinking. <clears throat> I guess you could say those who look back, those who look forward, and those who look in the present. There just is a plethora of different tendencies in how we like to think. And that that's the... Uh one of the beautiful aspects of diversity of the, uh, when we look at this. So as I, as I listen to your list and I think about, okay, where do I fit in that? What's the significance of understanding that natural tendency in related to related to how I think and, and how I need to grow in this area? In our work in helping to grow leaders, we believe that there are three big objectives, three big goals that we're after. The first is to help that leader develop more self-awareness, to know themselves better, and to be happy about it, to embrace it, to, to recognize this is what they've been given. Now, what are they going to do with it? How are they going to develop it and use it to uh, create value for other people? The second thing that we want to help leaders do is to develop a greater awareness of others, to be able to understand the difference and the similarities in others and think about how to use that in a collaborative way to get a bigger result than if we just work independently. And then the third thing that we want to help leaders with is to understand the pathway to developing their skills. So I've been talking about natural tendencies. There's another side to the coin that we'll talk about a little bit later, but that is what do you do with those tendencies and how do you develop them into learned capabilities or learned competencies that can help you perform. So to know myself better is the first step of these three big objectives. And when I say that some are linear, some are nonlinear, the reality is that th that's like a continuum 
And at one end, you have people who are totally black and white, and there are no shades of gray. And there are people that see the world that way. And at the other end of the spectrum, you have people who say there's no such thing as black and white. It's all shades of gray. And we are all somewhere on that continuum. And it's very rare that you will ever run into another person that is exactly the same as you when it comes to linear versus nonlinear. So I actually have seven, uh, or I guess I've got six different continuums here that we could think about how do I think. The first is linear versus nonlinear. And the linear I think of as being more like the engineer and the nonlinear being more like an artist. The second continuum is divergent versus convergent. So the divergent is open-ended imagination and the convergent is narrowing down our options. The third continuum is how we think about time. At one end we have looking backward, at the other end we have looking forward, and at the middle we have living in the present. We, have a, we all have some combination of those. The next continuum is the optimist versus the pessimist. And of course, most everybody says, well, no, actually I'm a realist, but there probably isn't any such thing as a pure realist. We all lean one way or the other a little bit. And it can be situational. It can be contextual as well. The fifth continuum is thinking big and thinking about results or bottom line versus thinking about details and process. And then the last continuum is thinking about people versus thinking about tasks. So you've got five different continuums there that you could think about what your tendencies are and what you enjoy thinking about. And those things help us to understand what your natural talent is. So when we begin to think about how do you develop yourself, the better you understand your natural talent, the smarter you will be in how you decide to develop your skills. So in The Complete Leader and this podcast, for those of you who are just joining us maybe for the first time or, or are rather new to the podcast, the whole concept of this podcast is it is definitely a standalone. You can grow your leadership skills with the tactics and the ideas and the systems that are laid out, but it's also a companion to the book, The Complete Leader, and the program. You can see more on the website, thecompleteleader.org. It's a book by Randy Lisk and Ron Price, and, and in the book, Ron, you dive into seven different um, thinking skills for us as leaders. So let's, let's look at that and how those relate to this conversation. Yeah, so um, first I want to come back and just emphasize again the difference between talent and skills. Um, if you pick anything that you love, whether it's music or it's art or it's some particular sport like golf or football, or you pick it, whatever you love, and you think about the folks who are world-class, the folks who really are the people that you enjoy watching what they can do. You're always looking at a combination of talent and skills. They wouldn't get to world-class if they didn't have natural talent, if they didn't have something that we would say was a gift and again, those gifts come through genetics and uh, life experiences and how they shape us. But that's not enough by itself. I don't know if you remember, Dale, but years ago, you and I were part of a book study where we read a book together called Talent is Overrated. Mm -hmm. I think it was Jeffrey Goff, or if I remember, if I remember the, the author correct. Basically, what he advocated for, truth is, there's nothing new under the sun. He was repeating an idea that's at least 50, 60 years old. 
but he advocated that it's not your talent, it's your dedication to developing skill that makes the difference. And he said, if you spend 10,000 hours developing your skill, then you can be world-class. Well, <clears throat> at about 2,000 hours of practicing golf, I realized it didn't matter how many hours I applied, I was not gonna be world-class because it's not just about the discipline, it's also about what you bring to the classroom, so to speak, in developing that skill. So that's why I always wanna start with tendencies because that shows us which of these skills we're going to talk about I have the greatest ability to develop. Now in the book, we identified seven thinking skills that we think of as primary thinking skills. And when I use that word primary thinking skills, it's sort of like primary colors or primary numbers. You know, the three primary colors are what red, blue, and yellow. And the artists will tell us that all of the other millions and millions and millions of colors that we can use in our palette these days are some combination of those three primaries. And maybe there aren't seven primary thinking skills. Maybe it's even fewer. I don't know. But we approached it the same way. We said, what are the primary thinking skills that we combine in different ways to do good delegation or to do good strategy or to do good um, problem solving, things like that. And so we identified these seven skills that are things that you can practice, that you can learn how to do well. So the first of these that we took a look at was um, futuristic thinking. And um, when we think about futuristic thinking, we're talking about a person developing the skill where they can learn how to sort of see around the corner, to see things that other people aren't seeing. And then we laid out ways you can de develop that as a skill. We probably, probably don't have time to go through all of those today, but as you said, the Complete Leader community at thecompleteleader.org uh, or the book give you more information about developing that as a skill. It's a matter of defining it, having a practice routine where you keep getting better and better and better, and then measuring or having some kind of feedback um, measurement of the way that you're growing, the way that you're getting better, and you keep learning. Some things you do well, other things you don't. So you evaluate that and you learn as you go. The second skill is conceptual thinking. So conceptual thinking is related to futuristic thinking, but it's really more about being able to see things at a conceptual level or seeing frameworks or paradigms or being able to sort of see what's not, what's invisible and how it can help you. And a great example of that is the way that we use different models. So we might have a model for strategy or we might have a model for interpersonal skills. Um, the models are not always, matter of fact, they're never perfect, but they help us to think at a conceptual level so that we can see how things connect and we can see a framework for getting something done. The third skill is planning and organizing. That's where we, we start to use logical and systematic procedures to, to meet our objectives. So it's the ability to connect the big and the small together. It's to see the pathway of how you're gonna get something done. There are some people who are wonderful and have developed their futuristic thinking skills at a very high level, but they can't put the plan together because they didn't develop those skills. And you know, if you're part of a team, it's okay. If you're part of a team, you don't need everybody to be equally skilled. 
What you want to understand is where people's skills are at and to organize around those so that you get a better result by playing to everybody's strengths. Um, the next skill that we took a look at was creativity. Again, it has a relationship to all of these, but creativity is your ability to look at new ways of doing things. And um, this really touches on something that's near and dear to both you and me, and that's the whole concept of innovation. And innovation begins with the way that you develop your ideas, the way that you manage your ideas, and the way that you deploy your ideas. So that, that's all a part of the way you develop creativity as a skill. This is a great example. Some people say, well, I'm not, very, I'm not very creative. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of people that we survey tell us that they don't think of themselves as being creative. And the reason they don't is because they think of creativity is how many new ideas can you come up with and how many of them are million dollar ideas. But that's just a small part of what creativity is about. Creativity is not just about generating ideas, it's about how you organize or manage those ideas, and it's about how you think about implementing those. That, that's all a part of the skills associated with creativity. Um, so I know I'm running through these, but we can come back and talk about any of them if you'd like. Next, the next skill that we identified was continuous learning. And I think of it as a skill. Of course, a lot of these are attitudes or mindsets, but I think of it as a skill because it's how do you go about doing continuous learning? What kind of a focus, what kind of a discipline do you apply to it so that you become more and more influential or more and more expert as a result of your continuous learning? Number six was problem solving. And of course, that's a thinking skill that all of us need to develop. But there is a plethora of different kinds of problems. Matter of fact, later this week, Dale, I'm going to be doing a program on uh, how great leaders convert problems into opportunities. It's part of our Growing Influence series, which is on the completeleader.org, where I'm, re I'm going to dig deeper into problem-solving skills and how we develop those and identify those. And then the last skill that we identified as a primary skill is decision-making. So it's, it's how do you go about using the right processes for the context that you're dealing in to make the right kinds of decisions. This is answering questions like, what's the right timing for a decision to be made? Who really should be making the decision? Maybe I'm not even the one who should be making it. And then how do I go about establishing criteria or a good understanding so that I make better decisions? And finally, how do I go back and evaluate my decisions that I've made in the past and learn from them? So you can see these are all skills around thinking more clearly, and it's the beginning point of being a better leader. If you can't think more clearly, it's hard to do the other stuff at the optimal level. It all begins with thinking. So I think about the topic, the, the, what we're calling this podcast and talking about the diversity of the different thinking skills, and, and that's a word that's been getting a lot of play in the last, in the last year. Um, but it's, it's about... The, the uniqueness of the individual and what they bring to the table and the importance of having that variety of thinkers around the table and to tackle and, and for leaders to assemble that variety of thinkers around the table. And as you go through, went through the list of those skills, let's dive a little deeper into that continuum of skill and talent. Because as I was thinking, um, I am not a good planner and organizer. I tend to be more of the 
I can go down the rabbit trail kind of guy as a thinker, um, conceptual thinking. We're in the process of building a house. I just need to look at the house plans once and I can imagine what the rooms look like. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, I mean, I've got to get a tape measure out and, and, and put tape on a floor to get room dimensions and, and explain in detail. And, and the more she can actually see it and feel it um, is where she goes. Um, so we're all different and it's important to realize that difference. Uh, we can, I know I, I need to work on my planning and organizing skills, but I, to your golf analogy, those will never be as strong for me as the conceptual and the futuristic thinking skills. Yeah, boy, Dale, you just touched so many buttons in me <laughs> there with your comments. I've got to start by saying a little, uh, talking a little bit about diversity, and then I'll get back into the tendencies or the talent versus the skills. It, we're really missing the point. Yeah, let me let me back up and say it this way. There are three different issues around diversity and inclusion in society today. The first issue is our structures or our systems, and are they fair to everybody? And we have to be willing to examine those. And, and, and if we look back earlier in the United States history, there was a time where we actually had laws that were discriminatory. If you were in the South, they were referred to as Jim Crow laws. But they weren't only in the South. Another example of what happened in the North was what were called redlining which is where banks had internal rules that they weren't going to sell homes in certain neighborhoods to certain uh, races of people. Those are, that's systemic discrimination. And if we're going to be better at diversity and inclusion, we have to identify and tear those systemic or structural um, discriminations down. The second part is extrinsic or what I would say more tangible examples of how people actually work. So oftentimes these are what are called unwritten rules of discrimination. So we just can't imagine, for instance, that a woman could do a good job in this particular role because after all, this is what a woman is like and this is what the role requires. This is a bit of what Stacy Ennis and I wrote about in our book, Growing Influence, was we were pointing out what I would refer to as more practical discrimination or the lack of diversity and inclusion. So I call this the extrinsic dynamics or realities or practicalities of us not doing as well as we should with inclusion and diversity. The third is human or what I would call intrinsic inclusion and diversity. And this is where we, don't, we just don't appreciate the uniqueness of each person's story like we do our own. So we overvalue our own experience and we undervalue other people's experience. And at this level, the, the color of a person's skin, their gender, their ethnicity, their belief system, none of that really matters. All of that is the facade. What matters is what kind of experiences they've had and how that has informed the way they see the world. And sometimes those experiences have been triggered by skin color, ethnicity, gender, things like that. So we really, if we're going to be good at diversity and inclusion, we have to understand and address it at all three levels. Unfortunately, a lot of what I, I know, I'm getting a little political here and I'll probably get in trouble, but a lot of what I see in society today is we don't understand that there are three different dimensions of dealing with diversity and inclusion. And as a result, we attack one of them 
thinking that's going to fix our problem, and it doesn't. We have to deal with it at all three levels. So now diversity of tendencies and skills. If we think about talent, um, another way I think of describing it is that we all have, when it comes to our natural tendencies around thinking, we all have our own gravitational pull. So Mike, you were saying your gravitational pull is your ability to see things at a conceptual level and to not necessarily want to get into all the details. It's your interest in pursuing lots of opportunities, big ideas, but not getting down to the nitty gritty. That's your gravitational pull. You have a choice. You could work on developing skills, which are learned competencies that cooperate with your gravitational pull and make it even more powerful or that fight against your gravitational pull and take you in a different direction. And our natural um, inclination, maybe it's not natural, maybe it's our learned inclination is to fight against our gravitational pull. And I, I believe that this is because of the way that we're taught to focus on weaknesses more than strengths. And whether you're a toddler, you're in school, or you're in your performance review, we are continually uh, told that we need to work on our weaknesses. The research contradicts that. The research says that you'll make your greatest contribution if you give into your gravitational pull in talent. I'm not talking about the gravitational pull to live your life selfishly or to do things that are harmful to other people or harmful. I'm talking about the gravitational pull of your natural tendencies around thinking. You'll go further if you identify that talent and then ask yourself which of the skills line up with that talent. So in your case, when you say that you can look at the plans of your house and you don't have to measure it out, okay, so the gravitational pull is taking you more toward conceptual thinking. So now how could you develop conceptual thinking not just as a tendency but as a skill? Well, the way you do it is you first define it. What do I mean when I say conceptual thinking? Then you think about a way that you can practice it. And third, you look at a way that you can measure and evaluate your progress. So how do you define it? One of the great ways, we're just going to pick conceptual thinking as our example. Who are the great thinkers in the world today or in the past around conceptual thinking? Can you identify them? Can you go on an adventure to discover who they are? and then study them because they are going to help you define what you want in conceptual thinking. They are not going to give you the definition. They're going to help you define it. Why do I say that? Because you have to define it for your time and your space. You have to define it as it relates to what your life is uh, doing right now, what your job is, what your role is. So you have to make it unique to you. On the other side of the equation, you said planning and organizing is not your natural tendency. So you can choose to say, okay, I've got to get it to a minimal level so that it's not an obstacle to my success in my role. Or you can say, I want to take it so that I'm world class there, recognizing it's going to be a much, much harder lift because you're not bringing as much raw material to the experience. Or you can say, who around me is good at that that I could turn it over to? or turn a lot of it over to so that I can let them shine and I can focus on developing the thing that my gravitational pull directs me toward. Does that help? That is. I, th I think that, and that's a huge help for our listeners as well. So I really appreciate you diving in. And, 
And for folks who are new to this, uh, you just had a little bit of a primer on axiological thinking, so <laughs> axiology. So um, you could take that word and do a search in the completeleader.org and find a whole new rabbit trail to go down. And uh, and I think we've got some podcasts on that as well. So just uh, grab a hold of that word, axiology, because Ron just led you through it, um, talking about intrinsic, extrinsic, and syst- systemic. And uh, it would be a fun rabbit trail for those of you who like to do that, like me. So uh, with that, Ron, uh, we're running out of time for this podcast. You've given us a lot to think about, (laughs) uh, as the title suggests. So thank you for that. Um, Let's talk about some of the resources that are available at thecompleteleader.org for people who want to go and research this at a deeper level. Well, first of all, it, there's a public section to the website that anybody can go to and explore. But what we'd like to invite you to do is consider becoming a subscriber or a member of the Complete Leader community. We have over 800 resources now around the 25 skills that are in the Complete Leader book. These seven that we've talked about today are part of that 25. We have um, short bit videos with different experts talking about these thinking skills. We have podcasts for every one of these thinking skills. We have a whole list of resources for each of these seven thinking skills that we've talked about today, including a coaching guide that helps you define it for yourself and think about how you're going to practice and measure your results with it. In addition to that, at the Complete Leader community, we also have three live digital events or virtual events every month that you can participate in when you're a member. So it's uh, in US dollars, it's $199 to subscribe for a year or $19 a month. And you get all those resources, an assessment for measuring your thinking skills, plus three new live events every month that you can participate in. So I wanna invite people to be a part of that because it's a small way, well, It's a big way that I'm trying to change the world in a small way, because I believe that when you help people think more clearly and achieve the right things and relate more effectively, that that's the greatest chance we have of making the world a better place. Mm. And at $19 a month, that is the biggest bang for the buck when you look at the uh, number of resources that are available in that. And uh, it's, I see it, it's a fantastic opportunity to take responsibility for my growth and invest in it. So thank you for that. And it's thecompleteleader.org is the website. Uh, you can find a lot, of, a lot of resources right there. There's public side and the subscription side of the portal. So Ron Price, thank you for that. Um, any thoughts on our upcoming, our next episode? I want to I, I want to keep talking about thinking because again, I think it's, I've emphasized how important I think it is. I'd like to talk about thinking uh, as it relates to logic and emotion mm. in our next session. So that will be a great conversation. Absolutely. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader. You can find more at thecompleteleader.org. Also learn more about Ron and how he helps businesses around the world, price-associates.com. And if you'd like to reach out to Ron directly, the the email address, ron, R-O-N, at price-associates.com. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, and if you want to reach out to Dale, you can get him at info at 
This is true. Would love to hear from our listeners. Um, we've received some feedback on the episodes, and uh, we're working to uh, make these as useful and valuable to you as possible. So we'd love to hear from you. All right, with that, this is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.